This morning I would like to speak on faith to heal from offenses. Faith to heal from offenses, one of the great, one of the most devastating enemies of our faith is offenses. And uh, the, uh, the book, is, the book uh, uh, Increase Our Faith, I wrote a few years ago. I've written five, uh, six books. Uh, is getting ready in French. But one book in English uh, that I wrote during a 40 days of fasting and prayer. And God has put a, a, a blessing, a favor uh, on this book. I'm preaching a chapter out of this book this morning. And um, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has distributed the book to uh, thousands of their workers. The World Vision, the same Assemblies of God also. And I want to mention that one one added blessing one thing God did that was so such a, a joy to me is that he's used this book to bring back many wayward sons and daughters sons and daughters that had drifted away it seemed as if God has put an anointing uh, where people have bought the book and given it uh, to somebody who's been away from church and there's a a vision a presentation of, of Christ of the church of his grace of his restoration that seemed uh, to uh, and maybe what I'm saying is there's someone you have in your mind you say I'm going to get this book for them so the book is there in the back and the title, Increase Our Faith, do you, do you remember, do you know in what context did the disciples cry out to Jesus, oh Lord, increase our faith? Of all the things Jesus demand, uh, asked of them and when he unveiled the kingdom of God uh, before them, there was this one moment, and it's found in Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 1 to 5, where Jesus said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. It's impossible that no offense should come. And if your brother sins against you seven times in a day and returns to you saying, I'm sorry, you shall forgive him. And the disciples, like us, said to the Lord, oh, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I need more faith. In 30, I, this, uh, this summer, I'm celebrating 35 years of full-time pastoral ministry. 35 years of full-time pastoral ministries. I started when I was five years old. It was amazing back then. And in 35 years of pastoral ministry, I want you to know that there's no, no element, no aspect of faith, uh, no, no healing, no faith and healing that is more exponential than the healing of our, of our offenses. It is exponential negatively, and it is exponential positively. If you do not heal from your offenses, unforgiveness will have an effect, an exponential death that will spread to every part of your life. If you, if you learn and walk in the healing of your offenses, it will bring life to every aspect of your life. There's no healing, no faith that is more exponential. No faith, no, no healing that is more identifying or defining. Jesus said it is by this love, by this supernatural capacity, so that, that this, uh, it's not human, that is the supernatural divine capacity I will give you to love one another that they will identify you. That they will know that you are mine. The sons, you are sons and daughters of your father when you forgive as he forgave. No other faith and no other healing and no other faith aspect of our faith is more accessible to us 
than uh, the healing of offenses. In the big, in the big battles and, uh, and on our, our journeys of faith and seeking healings in different aspects of our lives, there's many times where we've done everything. Everything is in God's hands. But when it comes to the healing of our offenses, it is our decisions. It lies with our will, all the provision, everything that needed to be accomplished for us that have been forgiven to release forgiveness is already accomplished. It is, it is Jesus saying to us as he said to the man by the pool, will you be healed? Do you want to be healed of your offenses? No other faith and healing is more necessary in every season of your life. Uh, every season, I'm not a prophet. But I will prophesy this to you. In this coming year, at one point or another, you will be offended. <laughs> And there will be moments in the coming year where you will offend someone. Not wanting to. Many times. The question is, will you, when you offend someone, will you have the humility to say, please forgive me? And when you are offended, will you have the faith? And the obedience uh, to say, I, I release you. I forgive you of this. I, I want to heal from all offenses. When Jesus says it is impossible that, uh, uh, that there would be no offense, that no offense would come, it is the word. The word offense is the word scandalon, scandalizo. It literally means uh, the trap stick. It was a, a hunting term. It is the idea of a trap. Uh, the, a lure, a lure and, a, and the animal comes and he hits the stick and then he becomes prisoner. It literally is a, the offense is the trap stick. It's the bait causing the fall. The stumbling block. The trap in which you can fall. It's a snare. There are no human relationships in which sin, mistakes, hurts, disappointments, unmet expectations, or offenses will not occur. The question is, will we, will we forgive and be restored? Or fall in the snare to be, to, to be reduced and even to be ruined spiritually. When Paul uh, speaks of this snare and when Paul addresses a young, young Timothy, he makes sure to, uh, to make clear to him, young Pastor Timothy, who was dealing with Christians and uh, offending one another and uh, a lot of strife in the church. And, and he makes it clear that it's not the, uh, the trap is not only relational. It's not only human. The scandal on offenses are deeply spiritual. They are used of the enemy. He says uh, to young Pastor Timothy, when, you, uh, when, you, when all these people are offending one another and they, there's unforgiveness, oh, you must pray, 2 Timothy 2.26, that God may grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare, escape the offense, escape the scandal, escape the snare of the devil. Having been taken captive by, his, by him to do his will. Now Jesus said, my, my will is that you would have life and life more abundantly. But the will, there's one coming, a thief that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And offenses literally, literally is a trap in which, by which the enemy can be, uh, ta take us captive and steal and kill and destroy and plunder. And through us, tear down relationships and the plan of God for our lives. When Jesus teaches... In Matthew chapter 24, he gives an amazing, an amazing warning, a, a series of signs and warnings that we will be in the very last. What, what would happen? What will be the context of the very last of the last days? 
And he gives the, these signs that he says that hey, they'll have been present throughout history, but it will be like the, 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 the birth pain of a mother. They will be increasing in frequency and increasing in intensity. And he gives signs outside in society. He says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be, there'll be a morality. There will be, uh, uh, there will be strife. There will be a persecution, a heavier and heavier persecution against the Christian message. Ra racial tension immorality, famines, earthquakes, signs in the skies and in the environment, many, many signs all around us. But in Matthew 24, he also gives signs of the very last days that will be inside of his body, in the church, in his body, his church on earth, and in our hearts. Matthew 24, signs of the last days in verse 10, and then many will be offended. Many will be offended, scandalon. They will betray one another, and will hate one another. Many in the Greek, it, it was a legal term, like a majority, like a majority vote, uh, 50 plus 1. He, he's saying that all of us at one point or another, will uh, there'll be many in the last days that will be offended. They'll be, they'll be scandal on. In my 35 years of ministry, the words of Jesus are so strong. He says when they, there's a, a terrible regression, they're, they're offended, then they betray, then they hate. And, and, and in my 35 years of ministry, I have seen offenses, undealt offenses, unforgiveness, and offenses when they're allowed to fester, ruin and destroy marriages, families, friendships, ministry, callings, churches, and, and really abort destinies in God. It is a, a particular poison because people, people that are, it's a toxic, toxic spiritual regression because offended people become very difficult to reach. Offended people are very, and Jesus gives a prophetic, in Matthew he gives a, a prophetic picture and revelation for faith to heal. And why do we need faith to heal from our offenses? And he says they're going to be, they're going to be very hard to reach. They will go from offense to betray to hatred. In Proverbs 18, he describes it this way. A brother or a sister offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. It was a very vivid image for them. They, they had these cities uh, uh, up on mountains with fortified walls that had taken years and decades to build. It, was, it, was a, it meant it was impenetrable. You couldn't get it. Nothing comes in. Nothing comes out. God's nature is open love. God's nature is love. God's nature is forgiveness. God's nature is tearing down walls between us and him and between one another. That is his love, his loving nature. But the person offended builds walls. Nothing comes in, nothing comes out. She's unreachable. He, he describes it further in Proverbs 18. He says that that person offended is inwalled by the snare. That she's fallen in the snare of offenses. And then she isolates himself or herself. A man isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. A fool has no delight in understanding. All he wants is expressing his own heart. It is, a, it is so real. It is so actual. It is so present. 
uh, in my, all my years of pastorate to, to see this of, in Christians of all ages, people that at one point in their lives loved God and loved his word and loved his house and loved, his, loved the people and loved preaching. and loved, well, Once the offense is allowed to, uh, to take root, uh, get to a place where they can't even bear it, they, they, they draw away, they rage against any trying to reason them. The only thing they, they do is find other offended people. They find other offended people and the only thing they want, they can tolerate, is somebody as offended as they are and they feed each other, uh, inventing. In a, all they need, all they want is someone to listen to their never-ending tirades of blames and, and bitterness. The picture is, a, the, the prophetic picture Jesus gives uh, all through the scripture is of the, that the person uh, offended is, is behind strongholds, a strong, strong city. And it's not, and the walls, the walls of the strongholds of the offended are not physical. Uh, the Apostle Paul describes them in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Question. Do you understand this morning that Jesus has provided all the weapons we need to bring down any strongholds in our life? Would you give him praise this morning and shout? Hallelujah. Every stronghold. Now, this was not convincing. If you're here today and Jesus has brought down a stronghold in your life, I want you to give him praise this morning and a shout of victory. The prophetic picture is the offended person is behind those, those strongholds, the, the, uh, the strongholds of, uh, of offense, uh, of, the, of the person that's offended. It's so deep that, G, that, that Jesus, the, the Lord in Scripture calls actually, it says it, it makes the believer hatred and the, the non-forgiveness makes us murderers. In John 3, verse 14, 1 John 3, 14, 15, we know that we have passed from death to life. Because we love the brethren. That's how you know somebody's passed from death to life. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Who, uh, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal uh, life abiding in him. That is how we know you are walking in life and pass from death to life in your capacity uh, to love. Unforgiveness is a sin. The word sin means simply missing the mark. You're missing God's will. You're missing God's commandments. You're missing God's heart. And unforgiveness is a sin of pride. It's a sin of rebellion. But it's also a sin of idolatry. Where you are lifting up, he says the, the, the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The person offended makes that offense, what has happened to him or to her, higher than God. It's higher, it's taking all the place. It's higher than God's promises. It's higher than God's grace. It's higher than God's power to help you to forgive. It's higher than God's purposes. It becomes everything, all-encompassing. It becomes everything you think and talk about. It, is, it becomes an idol. The, uh, the offense is idolatry. And unforgiveness makes us murderers. It kills, literally, it brings death to relationship. It kills our testimonies. 
You've known people that had an amazing testimony for God that out of defense come in and fester in. They don't, it's as if they don't even remember it anymore. It's as if it's a, it never happened. The, the unforgiveness is a killer. John said, it makes you a murderer. It will kill little by little the, the Spirit of God of you. It will kill your praise. It will kill your prayer life. It will kill your desire to walk humbly and holy before Him. It will kill the life of God in you. And it's very insidious. It's not only when we speak of somebody, Jesus used words, they will, they will be offended, they will betray, they will hate. We have this picture of somebody that's screaming with his fist, I, I hate you. It's much, much more insidious. It's, it can be very inward. It could be sitting in church singing songs. 2 Samuel 13, uh, 22, Absalom spoke to his brother Ammon, neither good or bad. You wouldn't have detected anything. For Absalom hated Ammon. He had hatred in his heart. And it wasn't showing. The lure, of a, the, 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 lure the trap, the scandalon of offenses, unforgiveness, bitterness, blame, brings to isolation, to gossip, to the reacting and rewriting of what actually happened. It becomes obsessive in your mind. And it brings you more and more in a cycle of, of self-justification, uh, of victimization. Jesus said uh, they will be offended, they will betray, and then they will hate. Please understand the words. Betrayal is not only Judas that betrays. Betrayal is, a per is when I, I seek my benefit above the person that I'm in a relationship with. When self is exalted beyond my relationship with God, uh, people be betray their country or betray uh, treason, uh, a marriage, family, friend. They betray, you betray your God. And the offended person uh, it comes to a place where he's betraying everything God has done in his life. Betraying everything God has promised. Uh, betraying his word, his promise, his very heart, his very nature. He literally becomes loveless. And that's what, that's what the, the, the biblical word means, hatred. They will, they will be offended, and then uh, they will betray. And then hatred is literally the empty of love, the absence of love. You, uh, uh, the offense drains out the love in us. It drains out the love for people, for God, for his presence, for, for his calling. It drains out the love. For, uh, and Jesus continues the description, the prophetic picture in Revelation. He says, they'll be offended, Matthew 24, 10 to 13. They'll betray. Uh, they'll become empty, empty of love. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of God will grow cold. But he who endures, he who perseveres in love, in forgiveness, till the end shall be saved. It's so real. It's so actual. It's so, it's so present in 2019. The offended, watch this. You've seen this all around you. The offended person, the unforgiving heart becomes fertile ground for false prophets. For seductions, for satanic seductions of the enemy. Please understand that false prophets are not only in pulpits. There are false prophets in pulpits. But Jesus said, wolves will come not in shepherd's clothing, but in sheep's clothing. And Paul said, when he left the church of Ephesus, he said to them under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit, ravenous wolves will come, they'll come from among you. 
They'll come from, from inside. And, and, and this is a picture. I, I've been ministering in over 45, maybe now close to 50 countries around the world. This is a movement in the 21st century of people of all ages that have been offended in church. And they become, they open their life. They, they withdraw, they withdraw, and they become open to theologies and false doctrines that will even uh, uh, erase the church, even withdraw them from the church, take them away. They become attackers of the church because, and it's all rooted. In, uh, in, uh, are all rooted in the, in the unforgiveness. It's, it becomes lawlessness. He says they'll become, lawlessness will, will, will affect many. Anomnia in the Greek, uh, without law, without submission uh, to the commandments. They, they have no boundaries anymore. Nobody's going to be, uh, I'm going to be under nobody anymore spiritually. And please understand that Jesus is not speaking here of the lawlessness in society, of lawlessness in society. No, no, he's speaking of spiritual lawlessness in the sheep. Because he says the love of many will grow cold. And he's not using one of the other Greek words for love. He's not using philios or jorge or eros that are manifestations of love that are both present in Christians and non-Christian. He says, no, the agape of many will wax cold. That love that the world doesn't know. The love of God. He's saying uh, people of God's love, the love that I poured in their hearts because of the offense is waxing, is waxing cold. He, he says in he that perseveres till the end. So he's not, he's not speaking to somebody who's unsaved that's lawless. He, he's not, the, the one who's unsaved has not even begun his journey of faith. He can't persevere. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to us who have been offended deeply at moments, uh, uh, seasons in our lives by someone that was close to us. Because God, God, all, our all-loving God, uh, all-knowing and all-loving God understands that not all offenses are equal. David said it this way in Psalm 55, verse 12 to 14. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me, that I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. I could just ignore him or hide from him. But it was you. It was you. A man, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance, we took sweet counsel together and we walked to the house of God with the multitudes. Majority of commentaries believe that he's referring to Ahitophel, who uh, you find him in 2 Samuel 15, who was his companion, was his heart. We, they they been so many battles together, they prayed together and, and battled together and worshiped together and, and walked together to the house of God. And now, in that, that, that late season, uh, uh, that man that was like a brother to him, I trusted you, I loved you, uh, enters into a conspiracy with David's son to, to destroy him. He says, it was you who was so close. The, the closer, we all understand that the closer the offender, the deeper the wound. The offense and the hurt is proportional to, uh, to how much I have opened my heart to that person. And Jesus said, and the word of God speaks to someone today. When we talk about enemies of our faith. The Spirit of God comes and says, where sin, where the offense abounds, the grace of God will much more abound. There will not be, I want to say to someone today, there is not an offense. There is not a temptation into an offense that will be greater than your God. For every temptation, He's provided by His Spirit, by His grace, by His love, by His Word, by His faithfulness. He 
can and he will pull you out. He or no weapon form against you shall prosper. Even if it's so deep. I, I, in, in all these years of ministry, 35 years, full-time pastor, there's not a year where I don't have to. I haven't had to to bring an offense to God and say, God, I can't let this in my heart. I can't let this in my spirit. I, but but I, I, it began even, I'm talking about deep offenses of people that are close to you. Uh, David said, if it, was some, if it was some crazy guy on Facebook uh, attacking me, I would have just said, okay, fine. No, no, it was you. We were close. We, we, I trusted you. I loved you. He's talking about offenses that take place sometimes. And it's a divorce or it's a betrayal. It's, a, it's, it's something that's so deep. It's a friend. It's a Christian mentor. It is, it's a, my husband. It's my wife. It's something that, that cut deep. Something that, that sometimes is generational. My father was an alcoholic and a violent man. His father was, all his brothers were, everywhere. And I grew up with my, my, my dad that's passed away. Now I saw as my mother. But he, he, I grew up in a home where we were, so, but my dad would, would beat on my mom all the time. He was drunk. And, and the, the furthest memories I have is being in bed and my younger brother would come and I, I would hold him and we'd be afraid until uh, early teenage years where it became crazy, where the anger in us that he sowed in us became almost greater than the fear. And it became uh, us threatening him and scenes of, of, of uh, sons threatening the father and the father threatening the son and my dad beating everyone and then leaving us. And, we, and I thought, I was unsaved, and I thought that, that, that with him gone, I'll be okay. We're free now. But, everything, but, but the, the stronghold was in my mind and in my heart. And when I became a Christian uh, in the first few years, uh, and for years and years, I would have a nightmare every night. I would have the nightmare that, that I'm, I'm flying out of my neighborhood and I'm coming back down and my dad would choke me and I would wake up. I was in Bible school, and God, my first year of Bible school, new to all of this, new to the kingdom. I was less than two years saved when I was in Bible school, and it was a move of God, and, and, and the pastor was pre, uh, preached, and, and, and all the students were praying, and it seems like everybody was so touched except me. Have you ever been in, a, in church where everybody seems so blessed, and you're not, don't, don't, don't say amen, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Nobody wants to admit it, <laughs> I know, I know. And I just sat there and I started to think, is that even, and just, oh, I don't even, why is everybody so blessed? Maybe I'm just not, and a man, and on top of it, a total stranger, a man, maybe he's an angel. I've never seen him before or since. And, and he wasn't from our Bible school, but we, we were going to a church, a city church. So he was from the city or he was from heaven, but he was sent from heaven anyway. He came and sat, he came and sat beside me and he put his armor on me, which I mean, my, my background with this man, I don't know him, he's a stranger. He's hugging me or touching me. And no introduction, no nothing. He goes, son, God has sent me to pray for you and to teach you to pray because your heart is filled with unforgiveness for your father. And I just said, okay, you pray. And the anointing was so strong. And, 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 and while for years I pride, my pride, my stupid pride was in never crying, never shedding tears for anything, people dying. It just came out of me. It was like floods that came out. And then he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's not, God's going to do something for you tonight but I'm going to teach you to pray. And he took me to things you know and I know. He took me to the, the Lord's Prayer. He took me to praying for my enemies. And, and I, said, I, I kept saying, I can't, I can't pray for my dad. I can't. You pray and the Holy Spirit will help you. And you pray. And I began to pray. And I began, well, f first thing that happened was that in the weeks that followed, the nightmares stopped completely so much that I, it hit me. I'm not having those nightmares anymore.
And I began to pray for my father and pray, Lord, give me your heart for him. Give me your feet. Give me what, 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 tell me what you want me to do. I release what he's done to us. I release. And I felt led that in the summer when I graduated to go see him. He's living alone in an apartment downtown. There's booze everywhere. And, and, and I'm going to pass the details. And, and I walked in there and I said, Dad, I want you to know I've become a Christian. I explained to him this was something he knew nothing and could not understand anything. But I said, I, I forgive you. And God has put love in my heart for you. And it was like a, a block of ice. We, we didn't even move. And we talked a few minutes and I, and I left. And a few weeks later, I had no idea. A few weeks later, I was preaching in a city. And while I'm preaching, small church, and while I'm preaching, I see my father come. I mean, the first time in his life at 50 years old, hey, that he walks into church. And at the end, I made an altar call for salvation, and I had the, the, the incredible joy of seeing my father come, and I prayed for him. And a few months later, I baptized him in water, all his sins packed. And I thought... And I thought, I'm going to have my whole life now, a whole life to try to rebuild something. And a few months later, at age 51, my dad passed away, a heart attack. Just, it was, when, I, when I began talking to him, praying for him, it was months away from eternity. I'm here to say to someone, I'm here to say to someone, no matter how deep, how close the womb and the offense, Jesus says you have been forgiven with such great forgiveness. And out of that forgiveness, here's how the flow can come out of you. Because that's, that's what uh, uh, Jesus, if you turn a few pages, Jesus says, okay, uh, I'm going to show you how. Matthew 18, turn to Matthew 18. And in Matthew 18, the whole chapter is about dealing with offenses. And the whole chapter... Uh, is one message by Jesus, the same speech, the same message, all 35 verses with an interruption by Peter. Peter was a master interrupter. <laughs> and in Matthew 18, verse 21, Jesus is teaching on this. And Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but 70 times seven you are to forgive him. Look up for a second. They, the disciples were raised under the law where it was you, you love the ones that are good to you and an eye for an eye. And you hate your enemies. And through the centuries and many, many commentaries attested this, the rabbis had added uh, a, and, and it became the understanding in the days of Jesus that you can set how many times you'll forgive. And, and the rabbis would say, you can forgive somebody up to three times in his life. It was from nothing to up to three. You know, so they would tell the story of this, oh, of this rabbi going on uh, with his horse in his carriage and the horse goes crazy and then throws them into the ditch. So the, the rabbi comes out and then and he gets out the horse, fixes everything and he, said, he goes like this to the horse. One time, first time. Then 10 meters, a few minutes later, the horse does it again. And, and he's getting more, and he just gets him out. He says, second time. A few, a mile later, the horse does it worse. They're all, so the, the rabbi takes out his gun, and, and he shoots the horse. And, and his wife says, honey, why did you shoot our horse? He goes, first time. <laughs> Human, I set, I set. How many times? So Jesus is teaching 
And Peter was always jockeying for position as to who's going to be the best disciple, who's going to be uh, the highest in the kingdom. He's wanting to impress his buddies, and he knows about the three-time things. And he just goes, and, and Jesus, uh, uh, and Peter goes, to watch this, guys. And you know, after three years with Jesus, Peter had a general understanding that Christians, Christ followers, should be nicer. You don't say amen to that? That's pretty safe to say amen. How many of you understand in 2019, generally Christians should be nicer, should be kinder, should be more forgiving, should be more, can you say yes, yes? Say to somebody next to you, be nice to me. Say that to somebody else. So Peter, so Peter wants to impress the, his buddies. He watched this, watch this. Uh, excuse me, great speech on forgiveness and offenses. Um, how many times should I, should we, should I uh, forgive my, my friend, my, my, the, the person, uh, my brother who sins against me? Uh, uh, we've heard three. I'm going to go for the full blast. Um, how many times? Seven times? He thinks Jesus is going to say, oh, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood is not revealed. No. Jesus says, no. Seventy times seven. Seven. So, and theologians match those two verses of Luke 17 and, and they argue to say what well, was Jesus actually saying that a 70 times seven in one day, which is 490 times per day. If you sinned against me every three minutes without sleep for 24 hours a day. No, what Jesus is saying is your forgiveness is to be like your father's forgiveness. It is to be without limitation. It is to be a uh, Forgiveness that doesn't count how many times, how long, how bad. That doesn't keep score. It's forgiveness that does not compare. It's forgiveness that's unconditional, that you've received and that you must, you must uh, offer. It's unlimited by the Spirit of God. So the question is, if I have been truly mistreated and wounded, and many of you have, and, many, and all of us have at one point or another, do I not have the right to be offended? God understands. He's, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's been tempted in all things that he would succor those that are tempted. God understands the offense. He's not making light of it. He understands the offense, but he's saying, the word of God is saying to us, yes, you have a right. It's a human experience to be uh, offended when you've been mistreated. But if you want to be a Christ follower, if you want to honor him, if you want to walk in communion with him, if you want the flow of his spirit through you, if you want to walk in his will and be used by him, you can't stay offended. You have to walk with a, yeah. You have a, to develop a revelation. There's not only, there was a prophetic picture, but then he, Jesus teaches us the only path in releasing his power. He says the path in releasing a power to forgive, uh, power for our faith to forgive, the power is not found in denial. It's not found in withdrawing, taking a break, withdrawing from the body of Christ. It's not found in isolation or blame or projection or justification. It's not found in repeated and perpetual venting. And it's not even found in some type of mystical zapping. Christians that say, I've been bitter for years and if God wants to take it away, he can't. No, no, no. The only path in releasing the power is found in supernatural and scriptural forgiveness. In a revelation of forgiveness. And Jesus teaches us this way in answer to, to Peter's question. Therefore, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. 
who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And, all, uh, and, and, and had to, the payment had to be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denaries. And he laid hands on him and took, took him by the throat saying, pay me. So his fellow, pay me what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him and saying, have patience with me and I'll repay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master what had been done. And his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you asked me and begged me, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant as I've had compassion on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, the tormentors that he should pay all that was done to him. And so my heavenly father also will do to you, each of you uh, from his heart, if from your heart you do not forgive his brother his trespasses. It's a, it's a Jesus answers with answering a question that every pastor has heard, an affirmation that every pastor has heard. Uh, in all my years of pastoring, when people are deeply offended, they will say, at one point, they will say something that, like, you, you don't understand what that person has done to me. And Jesus answers, you don't understand what your sin has done to God. You don't grasp the, the depth, the seriousness of, of the offense against me. And in love, Jesus says, no, you don't grasp the seriousness and depth of your offense against God. Now you don't measure how, how that offense separates that person from you. I can never, no, 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 no. Uh, the, the magnitude of the debt that person owes me. And in love, Jesus says, no, you don't measure the separation, your sin, your offense caused between God and you, you don't understand. A person who doesn't forgive is a person who's forgotten, who has lost a vision of what he or she has been forgiven. The servant owed a debt, and every commentary say it will be the equivalent of $1 billion today. It was 200 years of work days. It was an unpayable debt. Do you agree that a, million, a billion dollar debt is an unpayable debt? If you're not sure, if you think a billion dollar is a payable debt, please come see us after the service. We, we have some mercy projects for you to, to support. It was an unpayable, it was an unpayable debt. Please understand that my sins was a, were separating me from God. And there was no good works, no religion. There was nothing I could ever do to pay, to pay, to pay it back. The Son of God, the innocent came and he paid. He was made sin that we would become the righteousness of God. He opened his arm in compassion at the cross and he erased my death and yours. Say yes, please. I owed God, you and I, I owed God a debt of a billion offenses. My sinful, my very sinful nature was an offense to his holiness and his perfection and his glory. Our depravity is an offense to his majesty and his goodness. Our lies are an offense. 
eternal offense to his eternal truthfulness, our bitterness and our hatred and our, and our selfishness is an offense, an inseparable offense to his love and his kindness and his patience. Our impurity in thoughts and in actions and in motivations are our, our, our perpetual offense to his perfection in thoughts and plans and intention and eternal purposes uh, for us. I had a debt I could not pay, but he opened his arm in compassion and he filled and he erased my debt in your debt, past, present, and future. He forgave us. Say yes, please. And please understand that God doesn't make light of our offenses. The man who was forgiven, the man who was forgiven, a billion came out and the other man owed him 10,000. It was equivalent to $10,000, one, one third of one year's salary. It's not nothing. It's a, it changes you. It puts you in problems. It, uh, you're lacking because of it. He's not saying our offenses are, are nothing. He's saying we do not, we do not merit Uh, for our debt to be erased. It is blotted out by grace. And we do not forgive because the offender deserves it. We uh, forgive and release because we have been forgiven a greater offense. And as we have received uh, the forgiveness, we release it. A few months ago, I was, I was in a pastor. I, I was in a meeting with a, a, a father. I'm going to give details, but with a father. And when he was telling me, It was so heartbroken over the rebellion and over the, 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 the way his son, had, had, his son had treated him and just completely broke the father's heart. And I prayed with him and I saw this man come out of my office and he was so broken. And I thought in my mind, because I, I know the boy, I thought in my mind, that boy has no idea what he did to the father's heart. I, he has no idea how much he hurt, how much his sin and his, his hardness and his callousness and his selfishness and his, his meanness and his evil, his actions and, and what he said and his word. And, and, and the next morning I was walking in prayer and I was still thinking, I was thinking those thoughts. I have no idea, that boy has no idea how much he offended his father. And I felt that in great love, the Lord put his finger on my heart again and he said, son, you, don't, you have no idea how much your sins offended me. How much your lies, how much your past, how much your past, present, future, how much your, and, and, it, and it broke me and it brought a weeping in my spirit. And I began to worship him and say, oh God, you, you, I've sinned so much, but your love is so great. You've loved me so much. You erased, you erased, you blot out my sin. Oh God, oh amazing grace, extravagant love. Can you stop this morning and say, and thank God for his forgiveness in your life? Come on. Colossians says it this way. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirement that was against us, which was contrary to us. Yes, taking it out of the way. It's gone. Having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them. Uh, in it. The word wiped out. He wiped out all our faults. Alepho. He erased our, in Greek, in Greek is to make disappear, to erase, to completely wipe away. 
I love that story of that young girl who's coming back from college and Thanksgiving weekend, and she's speeding through a small town, and the sheriff stops her. It's a young lady. You're triply, You're going triple the, the speed limit. I have to take you in. We're going to go in front of the judge. Please, no, no. Go in front of the judge. She gets in front of the judge, and the judge says, all the evidence against me, you are guilty. $200 fine. She starts crying. I don't have, I don't have, I, I can't call my parents. Gonna know we're going to be closed till Monday. You're going to spend the weekend in, uh, in, uh, in the slammer, and she's crying, and the judge is watching, and he, sa he says, wait a minute, and he takes his robe off. He comes beside her, and he says, she's completely guilty, but here it is. I'm paying thee. Then he goes back puts his robe back on, and he says, you, on the evidence uh, before me, you are guilty, but pardoned. Your debt has been paid. You could go free. Do you understand? That's Aleppo. Aleppo, you were guilty. I was guilty. I am guilty. Uh, and he comes and says, he, he's guilty, but I'm going to go to the cross for him, shed my blood for her. And now the, same, he resurre the resurrected Christ resurrects me. He forgives me. So I release forgiveness. Aleppo. Aleppo, it's, it's, it's blotting out, it's covering. The scribe would spend days and days. The actual papyrus was of such high value. It was made with uh, animal skin that they would, they would just go, uh, they would reuse it and the scribe would cover each word, each word, cover what was there before until the page was immaculate. Again, that's what Jesus did. Uh, every warrant against me, every guilt, every shame, everything of the past, present, and future, Jesus covers it and gives me uh, That page every day that he can write his story, his destiny of forgiveness over my life and yours. Aleppo, Aleppo, he, he covers. I was so blessed in the spring to be able to speak at the Summit International School of Ministry, but the same, and I gave it my best, but the same week there's a man who really outdid me. Robert F. Smith was invited to receive an honorary doctorate at Morehouse College in May 2019, and he showed up. And he announced to all the students that were there that I am erasing your student debt. All hundreds of students between, between a hundred, hey, between a hundred thousand and a hundred and fifty thousand dollar debt. He gave $40 million. He erased their debt. Do you understand? I watched that. I, I can't do that for some students, please. You understand these students, that's amazing. That's an amazing chance in life. But they'll have other debts and they'll have other. Can you? Only God erases my debt of yesterday, of today, of tomorrow. No sin is held against me. Say yes, please. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say forgive and pray for those who have hurt you. That you may be sons and daughters of your father's, father in heaven. I close with sons and daughters forgive and release in faith because they have been forgiven so much more. Because he who wants to lock the other in the offenses of what he's done, in the prison of unforgiveness and the prison of what you've done to me, that's all you are, it's all you'll ever be is what you've done to me. You're trying to lock it, lock that person in that prison, you will end up with the tormentor. He said the one, the one who choked the other one and tried to... He's the one. He, he tried to put the other one in prison, but he was. Unforgiveness is drinking poison and believing it will punish the other. An eye for an eye and the whole world will be blind. 
Release them and you will be free. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. Forgive us our debts as we release and forgive the offenses. Do not lead us into the temptation of offense, but deliver us from the evil one. It's, it's satanic. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You will never be more like God than when you forgive in faith. You will never be less and less and less like God, like Jesus. Even if you sing and quote scriptures and you know, and you go to church and you teach and you do it all, you will never be less and less and less like Jesus than when you are holding on to an offense and refusing to allow the power of God to, to flow through you because sons and daughters of God release and heal from offenses because they know it is not in their own might It's not in their own capacity. It is the divine flow of the Spirit of God that can rebuild us and allow us to forgive. Jude says it, Jude says it this way. He, says, he, he makes a contrast like Jesus did. He says there's carnal people. They cause strife, speaking to believers. They cause strife and divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, It's a construction term in the Greek. Rebuilding yourselves in the love. Re renewing yourself in the love of God as you pray in the Spirit. Romans 5. For we know that through our woundedness, God develops perseverance. And perseverance builds up character. And character develops hope. And our hope does not disappoint us. For the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this. Musicians, please come. Just this week, I'm, a, I'm in a staff meeting and there's this beautiful, this girl, she's a young couple from our church and she's so, so dynamic. So she loves God so much and she's involved in ministry with us and she's just, just a great, a joy to be around and she, she's filled with life and she, uh, such a blessing and every time I see her uh, running around in the offices and serving with all the others and uh, I think, of her mother. I'm not going to give you names or details, but, but I began, when we began in ministry, uh, pastor, the, the pioneering the church, we had this moment where her mother and her husband, he, they, they were going through many things, and he, he began to, to drift and to drift to finally announce to his wife that he was leaving her, that he fell in love with someone else, and, and she was so destroyed by the she was a uh she, she completely had no no idea what was going on and she was so filled with anger and also just demolished she was she was destroyed and i remember my wife and i got going to visit her and actually just taking her she had been in bed for a few days just taking her out of bed she, she looked like she, she was going to die of, of that grief And he was bound with the lies and, and, and he wouldn't even want to meet anybody. He didn't want to meet me. Didn't want, and, and, and when I was praying, I was just my first, first years of pastorate. And when I was praying, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, go, he, he doesn't come to you. You go see him at his place of work. And I wanted to do it respectfully. So fine, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't warn him, but I showed up and he has an office. And when he saw me, I said, hey, just give me two minutes. And I, I closed the door behind me and I stood there and I just wept and said, pleaded with him. Pleaded with him, no, and repent. And, just, and, and he was there just like stone cold. And I walked out feeling like a total 
failure and an idiot and I, I'm walking away and he said that as soon as I walked out he, he's just like oh and he, he the spirit was so strong on him that as soon as I walked out he knelt beside his desk at his place of work he just put the blinds down and he started and he repented I'm not, I've seen repentance for years and years but that man repented he, he changed place of work he, he, he repented to that woman saying what I've done was wrong I'm a Christian I was sin and, and he came back wanted to come back to his wife but she was so wounded and she was so and it was so hard, hard for her. And one time it was a smaller church. We're just starting. And, 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 and he would come and he would be in the, for a few weeks. He, he would be in the back and she would be there. And he, he uh, was in the back of the church one morning. And when the worship just in between songs, we just heard him, his voice. He's, oh God, please, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I've sinned against you. Please wash me. Please forgive me. I ask my wife to forgive me. I ask my church to forgive me. And we had a moment, and I was watching her, and, 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 and in the weeks that followed, and please, I'm not making this an automatic. Every time you preach on forgiveness, somebody will say, well, this forgiveness automatically means that I have to reconcile. Every situation will be different. But even when you can't reconcile, you can release your own soul, your own spirit. But a few, a few Sunday nights after that, she, I, saw, I saw her. He, he was... He was in the back and she was in the front. And then during the prayer time, I saw her go and grab his hand. And she was holding him. And they were praying together. And it's been 25, 30 years, second generation, the whole family now serving God. I'm here to say to someone, even, the deep, even if the wound is so deep, I'm, I am begging you to, to believe it this morning. I'm pleading with you. Our hope will not disappoint us. The love of God is poured out in our heart and can and will free you from the offenses. Make you free and out of the pain and the hurt, a beautiful fragrance, a testimony. Don't let the trap, don't let the lure of the enemy bind you this morning. This is a morning, August 11, 2019. I will be free. I receive forgiveness and by the Spirit of God, I release it in Jesus. Jesus' name, would you say amen? I'm going to ask you to please stand in the presence of God. I'm not going to make a call to the front, but please give yourself a minute. Lord God, I pray now for the conviction of your Holy Spirit. I come against every lie of the enemy. And I believe this morning to be a morning of freedom when the resurrected King will resurrect me will resurrect us, will give us victory. Every head's bowed and eyes closed, but if you're here today and you say, Pastor Claude, you brought me, God brought me to this message, this enemy of our faith. Lord, Lord God, thank you. You brought me here to this place. And you're here today and you say, I have been offended. I've been offended. It might have been a long time ago. It might have been recently. It was deep, and in your own strength, in your own capacity, you can't release it. You can't, let, you, you need for God to come in. But today you say, as I have received forgiveness, I want to, I want to, Give you that offense, oh God, and ask you by your spirit to pour out your love in my heart. I want to see your hands lifted up to God all over the place. Come on, I want you. And this is a moment where... As in Acts chapter 4, they all lifted their voices together. Would you begin 
would you begin to speak to God wherever you are, main floor, balcony, let me hear a thousands of voices going up to God, say, Lord, I'm giving you, I'm turning it over to you. Lord Jesus, I'm turning that offense to you. Lord God, I'd lost sight of your forgiveness in my life. I'd lost sight of your, your power available to me to release and to forgive. I refuse to fall in this trap for the enemy to enslave me. Lord, this message was for me. The offense has been stealing my joy, has been stealing my peace, has been stealing my heart, has been stealing my, my desire to walk with you and to serve you. So today, I, I, I relinquish today, I surrender that offense to you, and I pray, fill me with your spirit today. Come on, all over the place, begin to pray. Begin to pray all over the place and to release it to God. Our brother is going to sing this wonderful song because it, it speaks of the victory. It speaks of the resurrection. It speaks of what Jesus did for us. And as I receive the forgiveness, I release it today. In Jesus' name, oh God, your authority, your anointing to break every yoke, break every chain. Lord, even if it was somebody so close and it, and it cuts so deeply, we will not be bound by this offense. We will not be limited and defined by this offense. We release it to you today in Jesus' name. All of God's people, lift your, your hands to God. And there's a moment where you begin to pray out loud. Come on, come on, begin to give it to the Lord all over this place. Surrender it to God. And let, let the Spirit of God build, build your most holy faith. Rebuild, rebuild your love and rebuild your peace and rebuild your wholeness in Him by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah.